What's going on everybody? 360 Digital Closing Bell here. We are live for episode number 43 here on this gorgeous August 34th, 2024, our week look ahead podcast. As always, I am your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com, Stuart Early. Stu, how are you doing this morning? Beautiful day in the neighborhood, but it's Monday. <laughs> that now talk about t-shirts. That needs to be a t-shirt right there. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, but it's Monday. It is Monday. We've got a lot we need to chat about here. We need to do a, a little bit of a dive into into EMP technology trends. There's been there's been some conversations around it. And I'd love to share my thoughts on that. We're also gonna have to dive into the crude oil levels. There's a lot of stuff in the international news desk. I mean, Saudi Aramco just discovered some fat oil fields. I mean, the last thing they need is more profitable oil. But guess what? Hey, better to, sometimes better to be lucky than good. Stu, a couple Canadian M and A deals we'll have to cover. Um, sort of our outlook um for for, for the oil patch this week. Um, and then always we'll get into the 360 non-official fund recording. This is about 6:31 a.m. Currently, time standard oil trade about 43.33. A little up. Futures up overnight, Stu, after some... uh What's funny is the Hurricane Marco or Hurricane Laura, the actual impact and shutting in production doesn't do anything. Uh, circa the fallout and some of these refineries might not be back online quick enough. Now we're starting to see oil rise a little bit. So, I mean, you can kind of see the dynamics that'll that'll play there. But first, guys, this show is brought to us by our friends at Adam 18 Energy. And they're really asking the question, what is social risk for the energy sector? Guys, I'm telling you, it's not just community opposition to your development projects. It's everything from the success from the divest from fossil fuels movement to all of the investor engagement surrounding your ESG programs. I'm telling you guys, if you're working in, a, in an oil company or an executive in an oil company, you're not taking this stuff seriously. I mean, it really, it's it jokes on you because really it's everywhere now moving fast. And I'm telling you, this read says it's multiplying like zombies. That's why your company really needs a strategic partner like Adam and Team Energy to help you assess and prepare all of this social risk. I love the way they frame that. Talk about framing a question. Adam and Team Energy is the leading consulting that's helping companies prepare for all of this social risk. They're led by wonderful human being, Tisha Shul, the former CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. You guys should also check out their website, energythinks.com, where you can find all things Adam and Team. She's got a weekly newsletter that's awesome called Both Things Are True. If you're not reading it, joke's on you. Your competitors are. She's got a podcast called Energy Thinks Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, best way to find it. I'm telling you guys, that your competitors are listening, you should do. She's got some wild interviews coming up. I know, I produce the show, trust me guys. She's got some wild views. She interviewed the CEO of Williams, just two emails, boom, dude was on the podcast. Um, lots of cool stuff going on. Check everything out, Adam and T Energy, energythinks.com. The show is also brought by the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com, where you can find both me and Stu there. Stu hosts a podcast on there, the Energy 360 Podcast. You can find that Apple, I, you can find that iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. You should also check Oil and Gas 360 out on all the social media channels: Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Stu, who do you have coming up on the Energy 360 Podcast? Uh, we got a bunch of them uh, today. We're releasing in Varus with Bernadette uh, Johnson and it's running today. Yeah, for today, and yeah. then we are interviewing actually this week a company that recycles solar panels and that to me is very interesting covers the whole financial uh reasons around uh recycling uh solar and you and i both know that that's one of the biggies that you know the green movement out there says "Ooh, renewables are always better 
uh, he's got the story, so it's good. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I'm very interested. I, I, you're going to be interviewing this guy, so I'm just going to be sitting on there. I know you actually have you have a, another interview coming up tomorrow with some with some shale people, don't you? Oh yes, uh, some experts in shale, and uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, he's a big guy. No, that'll be awesome. I'm excited to cut that. Energy 360 podcast. Find it on Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, wherever you get your stuff. Um, yeah, I want to, before we kind of dive into to, to the U.S. patch here, there was, uh, there, there's been a couple things. First, if you guys haven't gone back and watched the replays of the Oil & Gas Conference, which is uh, hosted by Aircom, I highly recommend doing that because there's so much good stuff you can learn. And if you want to talk about trying to, you know, you know, I, th- I think one of the biggest things people always try to talk about is how do you discover what the trends are? How do you figure out what and how do you then align yourself with where it is? And then ultimately, how do you get in front of the curve? Because that's what people want. How do you get ahead of the change? Because one, generally, if you're ahead of the curve a little bit, it generally it takes you a little quicker to do something because everyone's vying for your work. Two, you're probably going to pay a little less because people are desperate for your work. No one's, you know, and if you can catch it at the right point, you could really grow and build something that, you know, you look back in 10 years, it's it's unbelievable. It's, you know, our, our friend of the show, David Forsberg, always talks about taking a bite. How do you how do you eat an elephant? Well, you just have to take a bite. And then five years later, you just keep taking bites. You realize I've actually chunked off a lot of this. So at some point you have to start, but, um, and I want to do that. We'll get into, you know, um, I really lost my train of thought here. I was moving. I'm trying to move all my screen. I'm trying to move all my screens around. I think so. I think the point with all of this stuff is um, there was a converse. If you haven't watched the oil and gas conference, do it because there's you can start to figure out where some of these trends are. And I think one of the trends that's I think in the process of shifting and really already has shifted and I think did it a little earlier is this idea of you know EMPs and technology. I you know I think. For, for a long time, there was this idea that EMPs were really bad at technology, or I wouldn't say bad at technology, that's not the right EMPs were, they didn't, they didn't utilize it per se, because it was just an older school industry. I mean, if you, if you compare the energy business to other industries, not necessarily in, 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 you know, if you work in drilling, you're going to tell me, what do you mean there's no technology? There's a lot of technology, but if you go to, there are other industries that are much more, what I would say, sophisticated technology in terms of moving things to the cloud, doing a lot of different stuff. The whole business was on the internet versus in the energy business, the, the, the oil's still in the ground. The phys- It's a commodities-based business. And so one thing that was getting asked a lot and has been getting asked a lot is why are energy companies, specifically now, not investing in technology? Because there was this push to it to to get them into technology. I don't know, Stu, you were around. It was like 2010 to 2016. There was like a five-year window where there was a huge push for EMP companies to get more technology into them because that was the there was a lot of capital available and it was the way to, you know, as, as it was proven in other industries, you can scale technology at a much more efficient cost than you can individual people. Yep. Uh, you know, oil companies pay a lot of money for their own uh, internal systems as opposed to letting experts do their own stuff. So. Well, yeah, and so, and, and so, yeah, there was this huge time where, you know, companies were trying to internally come up with, with, with all this technology, and it really didn't work. And I think you saw, I think as we saw what happened simultaneously 2010 to 2015, do I think these are 
analogous? No, but I think there's one's a symptom of the other. If one's a symptom of the other, oil and gas tanked from a capital destruction standpoint. That's really when you started seeing the turn of, you know, pre-2010, I mean, it was, oil was profitable. You can make a lot of money in the energy. Everyone was making money. Investors were making money. Employees were making money. Management was making money. Bond Debt holders were even making money. Generally, you don't even see that. Um, you know, come 2010, 2011, things, that's when things sort of starting to roll over on the energy business. That's really when we started to see um, prices begin to slump, but also the spending and, and investment continued. Things shifted from a profitability standpoint to a growth standpoint. So if you're losing money, and now all of a sudden all you're pouring money into this technology, you can see. So what you've seen kind of over the past, let's say, three years is that burden shift from EMPs becoming more technology um, savvy internally, hiring internal analytics teams, doing all this, doing all this cool technology stuff, building all of this well monitoring stuff that uses um, new cloud software that, you know, that if you listen to the oil and gas coverage, there's 95 companies now providing this type of stuff. Um, and that burden has really shifted over to energy technology, which you can say is a service, but really I don't even think the, the big boys, when we talk about Schlumberger, Halliburton, and um, Bakers, they don't service really the whole industry. They service a a select part of the industry. Forty, they they, they service thirty percent of the industry, the, or I would say twenty percent of the industry. But the old adage phrase is what twenty percent of your customers pay eighty percent of your revenue. So that's why you focus on the people who spend the most. So there's a large section of really small to mid cap companies that smaller service companies that are more mom and pop shops interact with, but also that. Also, that are prime targets for energy technology companies, which if you've at all listened to some, some Enercom stuff, and if you've at all sort of kind of been not studying the trends, but have just have been around, you know that energy technology has become huge in the past, I don't know, four to five years, really since 2016, the energy technology companies specifically. You know, before that, it was really hard to find just an energy technology company. I mean, there, they were some, Stu, don't get me wrong, they were some, but... Now, the ple- I mean, so they're a dime a dozen now. You walk down in Denver, you can walk into WeWork and just pick out which different energy technology companies. You could walk into a galvanized down there. You could walk into any building. They're everywhere. I mean, you've got three specific energy technology VC, VC funds in Denver. You've got, I mean, way more in Houston. I mean, Denver, you've, I mean, Denver, you've got three. It's so, and, 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 and David Anderson talked about this in his, in his, um, presentation at the oil and gas conference to bring it back. He mentioned that they are seeing at the top level because he's an oil food services analyst. He's seeing at the top level the the, the chevrons, the shells. Um, they are shifting their burden of technology internally to oil food services. Which specifically, what is who's he covering? He's covering Halliburton, Chevron, Schlumberger. He's covering probably the top seven guys. When I'm worried, the top seven. So that's already happening at the tops at 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 the top level. Trust me, it's already happened at the level below it because. Because at the lower levels, you have to do things based off cash. If you operate, if you own your own stripper wells, you just frack a well when you've got the money. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter really what oil price is. You're waiting for oil price to make that much revenue. And I think part of the reason why this shift happened was for a couple reasons. One, technology is just hard to do. Yep. Technology is very difficult. It costs a lot of money to start one. I mean, if you, you want to hire an internal team to do something, you want to hire a decent data scientist nowadays, $100,000. Boom. Throw them, give them benefits too. You need to hire a software engineer now to, to, to actually, 
you know, once your data scientist tells you what you need to do, how do you then architect that solution? Well, you buy a software. Cool, another 200000 a year. Um, uh, you need to... Now, well, now they need access to all this cloud software. I mean, you know, Amazon, they give away free cloud softwares to the individual person so that when me and you go get hired by a large oil company, we now, we, oh, we need, we, we need uh, AWS. Well, perfect. Now it's, now they can charge that company 4000 a month for cloud space. I mean, it's really, it's, I mean, why do you think, you know, MATLAB, great example, the software they give to students for free, get them hooked on it so that when you go work at your engineering firm, Oh, I need MATLAB. Great. They sell a 10,000 corporate license. It's a great business model. I do the same thing. Um, if I was, if I had a, if I have a software product, I was trying to get people hooked. I give it away to students for absolutely free. Let them just run it. Get them used to it. So when they go to a job, Oh, I need this software. Kind of like Microsoft and McDonald's. Exactly. If you're listening, I mean, and, and, and that's my one beef with energy to customer. Nobody does that. No one's given away software for free it's very hard the big boys are the big boys are but there are so many i mean i I could pick out four or five little softwares that should be in every school right now right because they're easy they're cloud-based stuff like that but that's a conversation for another thing so i guess my point of it is the conversation recently and was posed by by multiple people was 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 why is why is the why is the energy business not necessarily um, continue to invest in technology. Well, it's for a lot of reasons we stated, guys. It's tough. There's no ROI. The ROI could be years in the future. You you, you want to build a, you know, I was involved in a project that was looking to build, that was looking to do some automated uh, uh, rod pumps on gas wells. Okay. That's a two to three year project with an ROI that's maybe three to four years if you can get that thing off the ground. Sure. When the project's done and working, yeah, that's going to save you a lot of money. But how much do you have to spend to get there in the hopes that you even get it right? Because that's the other thing I'm telling you. It's hard. Even technology companies can't do technology right. You're going to tell me now an EMP company who can't produce oil profitably is all of a sudden now going to become the world's leading expert at uh, you know, IoT devices? I don't think so. They've got bigger, they've got better things, you know, more they, they got better things to try to figure out how to do. Hey, Michael, uh, do you think, and I'm, I'm asking this as a, uh, since you've got a good analytical financial uh, mind cooking there most of the time. Um, most of the time. Uh, the big change that you have been talking about on our shows is that the investors are wanting their money back faster. CapEx has to, I mean, uh, OpEx has to be reduced. So does CapEx. It just expenses need to be done. How much of an impact do you think that finance uh, and investors wanting their money back sooner has in, influenced the oil and gas industry? Oh, huge. I think there's, I think if you're not making money, the first thing you do as an investor is you sit down and figure out, right, what's the expenses of my company? If you can see a line item that's like, like when Oxy took over Anadarko, Anadarko had this really cool team. They called it iShale. And I knew a guy on that team. He went to, this is, I, I, I knew, I, 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 you know, he was a former baseball player with me at Mines. Um, I, so I knew a guy on that team. First thing Oxy did was shut that down. Well, it's easy. It's easy to look at a line item and be like, well, you're telling me that's a million dollars a year? Oh, done. That's an easy, that's an easy G&A to cut or reassign them to other profitable industries. And a lot of those guys went and got jobs elsewhere, unfortunately, because that's what happened. Um, or so. Their own company. 
Yeah, exactly. They started their own company. I mean, those, trust me, those guys were paid well. It was a small team, but it was there was a lot of resources put in. They were really trying to map the end. They were trying to do some really interesting stuff. I won't say too much about what they were working on because I don't know how much I'm allowed to actually say. Um, it was helpful to play baseball with guys. You just you can text them and chat about stuff. <laughs> they'll, they'll be a little loose. Um, what am I trying to say here? Um, so to, to kind of answer your question, Stu, yeah, I mean, I think – if your technology is the easiest thing to cut if you're an EMP company first, especially technology development, you know, I, yes, you're going to need an IT guy. You're going to need an, probably an internal IT guy. You know, um, I, I think the problem is I think this is the, the first downturn really in which, and, and I think other ones have been, but I think over the past, I think 24 months is really have been is when you've seen that the burden of the technology sh- switch in swing. And if you talk to any energy technology startup right now, they're busier than ever. I mean, we talked to a bunch of them. We're going to, we've got some coming up with, with, with engage mobilize. They just put out a case study with noble resources. I mean, they're busier than ever. I'm telling you guys, um, the oil and gas companies, in my opinion, and EMPs, we'll move on at this point. they, they can't even do technology. They can't even do profit profitable oil right half the time. You know they need they need a lot of things to go right to do that. Why are we then going to task them as an investor with developing technology? That just it just doesn't make sense to me. So to, to, to answer your questions, too, I think it's, it's an easy thing to cut, and it's not even their core business model. Yep. I mean, one of the good things we talked about this, I think, before the show started, um, which was about that, um, you know, knowing what to do internally. And knowing what to contract out is a really tough decision and also and sometimes makes a good leader. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things, Michael, that uh, I found when I was working on some of the fields that were bought by uh, BP not too long ago, um, they, they were looking at changing from CapEx to OpEx because of their financial statements. So CapEx was they're building out their networks and building out all their stuff. Well, they subcontracted that and became OpEx. So a lot of that is also driven by the financial statements of an accounting guy sitting up in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, all in all, that, that, that burden has shifted. If, you know, EMPs are not going to be technology, um, innovators internally which i think is great if you're an energy technology consulting shop if you have a product if you're just a consultant if you have experience in analytics and data science software engineering now could be the easiest time and trust me if once you read about it in reuters that it's the time to be a contractor it was too late so Get it before it gets the Wall Street Journal gets written. The article gets written in eighteen months about how it was. The, it's the time to be a contractor in the energy business. Trust me, the time's then over. So you want to get in now and make your money while you can before you shift and the wave changes and you get rehired because in eighteen months they decide to hire. Because that's what I'm saying. Who knows? Um, knock my mic over. Who knows? Um, in eighteen months they could start. You know, not that they should, but they could start hiring everybody again if you're you know if you're an analytics guy. So. Um, just know when that Wall Street Journal comes article comes out, it's too late. You you look like you're dancing like Elvis there with that microphone dip. I got a new. I I'm, I keep always looking down at the old camera. I got to realize the new camera's up here. So, uh, all right. Well, let's move into uh, 
Let's just go and move into to, to, to the, the oil levels and crude oil share. As always, guys, this segment is sponsored by Sandstone Capital Group. These guys do great work. Just check them out. SandstoneCG.com. 949-561-1818. I mean, really, there's... In terms of the... You know, there's a couple stories that happened over this week, the weekend, that aren't necessarily U.S. shale stuff. Honestly, the two things that happened are, are, are Brethren in Canada and Aramco. So I think we start us do What's going on in the international news desk right now? Um... Boy, there's a bunch of stuff. It's it's more lit than the U.S. right now. I mean, really, I, there's no really this weekend. I don't really think any large stories happen. I think the three biggest stories are on the international side, and I really think more as we look forward. You know, obviously Dakota access, but we'll get it. I think the international news desk is pretty much all we've got. It's crazy out there right now, uh, Michael. And uh, when you take a look at the first one, I want to hit on. Uh, we'll go back to Saudi Aramco because that's huge. You and I have been talking about all those ships from Venezuela, I mean, from Iran, selling to Venezuela, and it's because, you know, Venezuela screwed up because they're socialist. But uh, the U.S., uh, we just put out an article that uh, the U.S. seized three different oil companies' websites, and it's because they found Iran's sources going with all those tankers because they kept they seized four tankers not too long ago well now they shut the companies down what are the names of these companies well let me look, pull it up i knew you'd ask that well yeah because i want to know now who are these yeah. let's 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 make them famous oh you bet it is um Bublin international uh skull solar inner Fuel trading and Oman fund trading. Hmm, sounds like real reputable stuff right there. Uh, yeah, anyway, the domains were seized, and that usually is the sign that, that's, that all of the uh, federal activities already happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. SWAT teams have already. SWAT so, teams popped in. Uh, yeah, oh, by the way, you know, Rut Row. So. Um, and then Saudi Aramco had two interesting stories. Uh, you had alluded to one of them as the discoveries uh, in the two oil fields north of the King, North Kingdom. Um, it, it's kind of like they need more oil, but there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a difference in this field is that it's got uh, condens, uh, condensates and it's also got natural gas in that section of the uh, West Coast, they do not have much natural gas infrastructure at that point. So it's mm-hmm. nice for them to develop out their natural gas uh, pipelines at that side. So internally for Saudi, it's a great thing. Uh, it, you know, it's they, like they need more oil. No kidding. And it's a, it's a fat field. I mean, it's and, and, and cheap, profitable oil to produce. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, they don't have to drill horizontally. They just have to drill like a, a foot. You know, you and I could find that oil. Um, and the other one is uh, we ran a story last week on uh, Saudi Aramco. Uh, they were having uh, top-down uh, changes. One of those uh, CEO of Aramco's financial team, uh, investment arm, uh, had to leave, and he's like, there's kind of some questions on that. We ran that one on on Sunday. What are the questions? Uh, 
they had questions. They, it's one of those that they just said. Oh, I see. That's what they released out. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so when you, whenever you leave and they say he was a good guy, it's for a good reason. He's going for a better job. But when they say it's questionable. Yeah, it'd be interesting. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, Who knows? But no, I mean, Saudi Aramco, man, it would. it's nice to be them. Yeah, they they reached out to us, and and it's kind of fun to. Uh, we're looking to get some interviews set up with them. We're looking to sixteen million feet of standard gas. That's a I love it. Good for them. Good for them. Oh yeah. So. Good for them. So, yeah, and you know, on the U.S. shale side, really, not no real stories happen this week. I mean, I think there's two things that you know we'll call Canada, U.S. for now. Um, Whitecap Resources has entered into an all-stock transaction valued at approximately $155 million to buy NAL Resources Limited, which is a privately held, wholly owned subsidiary of a uh, uh, financial services company. They have oil and gas operations in Alberta and Saskatchewan and are currently producing about 27,000 barrels of oil today, 55% oil um, and NGLs, um, 58, uh, 58.3 million shares will be deployed. Closing date January fourth, twenty twenty. But here's the best part. Now resources limited, no outstanding debt after the transaction. Ooh. Ooh, so talk about a strategic combination. Whitecap resources. Um, I mean, this is just you know, it's I, I've I, you know, it's tough to find data on these guys because the Canadian uh, um, the Canadian production information is is pretty slim. I don't know the best the best ways to go. All the stuff that I subscribe to is more U.S. based. Um, but looking at their balance sheets too, um, the fact that they can get into this and and have no debt when when Whitecap is already working with a decent um, um, uh, debt is not bad. There's also eighty percent of their current asset base um, you know flows over with this. So which is a really you know it's talking about synergistic. Um, you know, and it decreases their leverage ratio. Here we go. Decreases their leverage ratio by 25%, which is great. Because you know what that means? You can go borrow 25% more because that, that ratio is what allows you to borrow more. Good stuff. Good stuff. That's nothing like, uh, uh, let's see here. It is PetroChina uh, lost $4.4 billion and their debt structure is, again, I have to go look at what their debt structure is. So let's take this article and this news story and this company versus PetroChina, four billion loss and huge debt versus this one. I'll take this one every day. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. I, I would read the PDP numbers off, but who knows if that's in it? Who knows if that's ever true? <laughs> but I mean, another Canadian M and A. I think you're going to continue to see more of these. Um, there's also a story in the Oil and Gas 360 News Desk about. Obsidian Energy attempting to combine with Patera Energy. You guys go and read all about that. Another Canadian company here. They've been working on this for a hot minute, though. Sounds like this has been about a year. They think it's going to go through, and now they're basically just kind of working on the terms of the agreement. I think when we move over to the levels for crude oil, you know, like I said, it's uh, 657 right now. Um, on April, on April, August 31st, 2020, last day here before September. Thank goodness it's not April. Oh, how naive we were in April. No, but it is Monday. 
Good day. It is, mon- it is Monday. Great. 4334 for crude oil. Big levels I'm looking at 4136 and the downside um 4187. If you're looking to get long, I think it's a good level. Then again, that's only about $2 uh, we're trading. Point of control for the week 4268. I like $43 even 4333 like what we're trading at right now is a good level. I think our cap is uh, 4380. I think it's really interesting on on what's going to happen with this refining information. I think on Wednesday we're going to see the uh, uh the crude oil numbers. They come out from the uh, Department of Energy. We're going to see what inventories are at. Specifically, we're going to see what refinery utilization is at, which is going to be interesting. All of these are now the ones that are shut down from uh, Hurricane Laura. And we're also going to see U.S. crude production. I mean, probably going to be down in the 9.5 million uh, range, but we'll be very interesting to see what happens. Watch out if you're trading that. I I don't know if I'm actually going to trade this one this week. Um, I thought about trying to get back in the seat, but... I, I again, I'm not. Again, the dynamics have changed so much that it'll be very interesting to see what comes out. I think the API that drops tomorrow at 2:30 will be very interesting on the crude oil standpoint. Very interesting where they see crude oil production. Um, Thursdays we're going to get uh, we're going to get natural gas inventories, which I think are going to be a little more bullish than uh, our, our brethren on the oil side because there was just less less natural gas was had to get shut in from both a production and a refinery side because of these hurricanes. I think when we look at um. Friday rig counts will probably see rig counts stay very flat. Um, I think the next two weeks for the DOE will be very interesting. I'm just watching MAs. I mean, really, it was a quiet weekend, which is probably good. It's been wild on the U.S. shale side here. Good to see a nice quiet weekend. Stu, are we missing anything on the on the on the, on the oil side here? I think we did a pretty good. It's not like we did uh, the other day around the world uh, tour, but you know, hey, no kidding. Get me, get me airsick. Um, we'll go ahead and dive in here. To the 360 official, non-official phone, but first, guys, the lawyers make us say this so we don't get sued. Guys, this segment is for entertainment purposes only. Me, neither me, Stuart Turley, give investment advice. We are not investment managers. We have not invested our money for our own account. Remember, investment is risky, and you can and will lose all of your money. That being said, Bonanza Creek looks really good on the fund side. Our natural gas fund looks very good, even though we're down about 2.5% daily. But that whole fund is up about 15% on the uh, the nat gas side. So I mean, hopefully it continues to run. I'm not sure. I think we're trading at natural gas is trading at 258 right now. I mean, I, people are saying 390. I don't buy it. I think three dollars is the cap right there. But then again, I never buy much that you hear out. Um, Stu, how's your stuff looking? Um, LNG's up 0.81% uh, this morning. Geoparks up. Uh, Enphase is actually heading up. Uh, Devin, I'm looking pretty sporty on that. Uh, The one TPL I have not bought yet, it is down uh, 1.14%. I got a long way to go, but I think that's a great one to keep an eye on, TPL. Yeah. Texas Pacific Land Trust. I think that that one's one to watch. It needs to get down around to the uh, 490 range. I think it's going to get there. Okay. But you're long. Yep. I like it. Well, good to know. We'll have to get Tomcat next week, see what he thinks. But um, we're about 30 minutes here, guys. Short show. We're going to let you get out of here, get back to work. Thank you for checking out the 360 Digital Closing Bell here on Oil & Gas 360 and the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com. We'll see you guys this afternoon for the digital ticker.